All right, so we switched things up a little bit this week. You may have noticed we didn't do the meet and greet time. If you're used to uh, coming and fellowshipping with us here at Rest Life, you know our tradition has been right before I come up, right after the announcements, we say, all right, everybody get up and greet each other. I got to tell you, from my perspective, it is so hard to get everybody back in their seats and refocused, and it's so hard to finish on time. This week we had a little brainstorm. We said, how about we just move the meet and greet time till right after the service. So I encourage you, after the service, stay, meet some people, uh, have some good fellowship, clean out all the donuts that are back there. We don't want any of those left when we're done, so get all that done afterwards. But we're going to just jump right into the sermon time uh, from now on. Before I start in on what I wanted to talk to you about today, I'd like to just put my plug in for signing up for small groups. We've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do this. All you have to do is walk over to the side there, pick up a pin that's already hanging from an untangled string, and write your name on on one of those small group lists. You'll be contacted by that small group leader, and then you'll you'll know how to to get connected. But we've always said here at Rest Life that big things happen in small groups. Small things happen in big church. So here we are sitting together, a larger group of us, You don't have much of an opportunity this morning to interact. So a lot of information is getting thrown at you. You have an opportunity to sing together with some other brothers and sisters in Christ. But in the small group setting, the place where people can get to know you, what's really going on in your life, and where you can get to know other people and what's really going on in their life. And that's such an important part of what God's called us to do and to be as a church. So big things happen in small groups. Get yourself signed up. You can do it online. You can also do it over here. If that's not easy enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. We've made it as easy as possible. As you know, we've been working through a sermon series called Seven Signs that You Know You're Living Right. And I talked about this journey that we're all on and how along the way, as you continue to pursue a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there are certain things, certain signs that you should see that confirm that you're on the right track. That you're actually moving closer to being the man or the woman that God created you to be. You are not an accident. God created you just right. Not only did He create you just right, He has a plan for your life. God knows what He wants you to do. And the way He created you, the way you're wired, and that plan that He has for your life, and the place that you live in, and the time in this history of the world that you were born in, the fam, it all comes together perfectly in God's time, God's place. If you allow God to have His will in your life. Now you can run the other direction. You can disobey God. You can go a whole different route. But if you want to experience blessing, if you want to experience what you were created to do, you've got to align yourself with God. You've got to be on that track that He put you on. And so as you continue to follow God's plan for your life, you should notice certain signs along the way that confirm you're on the right track. And that's what we've been talking about here. How do you know on the right track. There's some things that you should see. First week we talked about being intentional. You've got to have a plan. If you're walking along and you have no plan, you're probably on the wrong track. You've got to have a plan. You've got to, have a, you've got to be able to articulate, this is what God wants me to be doing in my life this year. These are the things I need to work on. These are the changes that I need to make. The goals that I need to keep focused on. Number two, you need to be relational. This has a whole lot to do with our small groups ministry, but you need to know people intimately and you need to let them know you. 
you're a stranger here. You come on Sunday morning, but, but you don't really know anyone. You don't have an opportunity for other people to speak into your life. And you can easily get onto the wrong track. The third time, uh, week we talked about being communal, about being connected. It has a whole lot to do with what Ramona brought this morning. That when you come here and you get connected, you're part of a body. You're part of the whole. Each one of us is connected to each other. And we can't be healthy without you and you can't be healthy without us. And I imagine just for a moment what it would look like if we as God's body, if every single one of us was doing what God asks us to do without fail, 100%. Can you imagine what kind of a church we could be? But many of you have refused to do little pieces here and there. And we're all waiting for you. Would you please, please, please start doing what God called you to do? Because we can't move on without you. This whole idea of living together in communion with each other. And then fourthly, we talked about being active. You've got to do some things. You can only get so far on your journey just talking the talk. You've got to walk the walk. And you've got to do some things. What is it that God wants you to do? What things in your life are you doing? Are you actually walking out to respond to what God wants you to do and to be? And then last week, we talked about being aligned. Like this whole idea of aligning yourself with the Word of God the balance in life that each one of us should have. It's so easy to get out of balance. It takes no energy at all. But to stay balanced requires that you align yourself with the Word of God, that you do what God has asked you to do. This week we're going to tackle number six of seven. I believe that one of the signs you should see along this journey of pursuing a love relationship with God is that you need to be empowered. Be empowered. The idea here is that you and I have an idea of many of the things that we're supposed to do. And I just begged you a minute ago, please do your part. Have a plan. Do your part. We can't do it without you. And oftentimes we have an idea that there are some things that we should change, some things that we should do. But the truth of the matter is, we've known for a long time there's a whole list of things we should change in our life. But for some reason, year after year after year, month after month, week after week, we don't do it. Why is that? It's easier to imagine a better future than to live it. And I believe that in order for you to be successful in the Christian life, God's Word teaches us it's going to take His power to do it. God has asked you to do a God-sized mission. And if you do it in your own strength, you will fail. And it can be very frustrating to be a Christian at times. You come and you sit on Sunday morning and the pastor gets up and he, he opens the Word of God and he says, Christian, this is the way you need to live your life. This is the way you need to be. These are the things you need to do. And you say, yeah, I agree, but I can't do them. I've tried. I stink at it. I keep failing. In fact, I'm considering giving up altogether. I don't think I can ever be that man or that woman that you're talking about. I'm just not cut out for it. And we can become very depressed. We can become disenfranchised. We can get to a place where we don't feel like we can do what God called us to do. So I believe for us to be successful as Christians, we need to tap into God's power on our own. We're not capable of being the Christian man or woman that God has in mind for us. Izzy mentioned the RestLifeOnline.com and I have gotten to putting it on there. Help me write my sermon this week. Some of you guys have participated in that. I mentioned some of the 
input last week, but I just wanted to mention one quote that was left on there this week. Uh, Bob Brow reminded me of a, a study that we went through, uh, Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God. Thursday morning, the men meet together at Lyons at 6 a.m., and, and that was one of the, the recent book studies we did. In that book, Henry Blackaby says this, with God working through his servant, that servant can do anything that God can do. Think about that. If it's truly God who works through you, you're not doing things in your own power, but God is actually doing things. The God of the universe who spoke, creation came to being. That God wants to work through you so that you become a vessel, so that God is actually doing, but he's doing it through you. And what Henry Blackaby reminds us in that study is that when God is moving like that through you, the extent of what you can do is limited only by what God can do. In other words, God could do anything through you if you were willing to let Him use His power and pour it through you. With God working through His servant, that servant can do anything God can do. One of the stories that illustrates this best for me is uh, a story I read some time ago. You may be familiar with a woman named Corrie ten Boom. She's a Dutch woman. Nicole and I had an opportunity to live in Holland and to visit the home where she lived during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And during that time, her family was a, a solid Christian family. They housed Jews and they hid them behind a wall in one of the rooms. They built a brick wall and they hid the Jews behind that wall. And when the Nazis came and they looked throughout the whole house, they never found the Jews that were hidden behind that wall. They did such a great job of building this thing. And to this day, you can go and visit. It's like a museum now. And you can actually go and crawl behind the wall, which Nicole and I did. Her testimony is, is amazing. She was a woman of great faith. But she tells a story in there about after she helped save these Jews and eventually somebody betrayed the family, she got caught. She and her sister and many other family members were sent off to prison. And uh, she and her sister, uh, Betsy, went off to, uh, to a, a prison camp where there were many people from all over that the Nazis had put in prison. And it was really harsh conditions, poor treatment, all that. And she outlines all that in the book. And, uh, they lived in flea-bitten quarters where they had hardly any space, hardly any food. And in fact, her sister, her beloved sister, dies in that prison. Ravensburg. After she gets out of that prison, and it's an amazing story how she gets out, she gets back to Holland, the war is over, and she begins a ministry of reconciliation after all the pain and suffering she's been through. She commits herself to sharing the love of Jesus Christ that helps people to forgive all of the, the pain that other people have heaped on them. Europe at that time was completely filled with people who had been broken, abused by others, and there was all this hatred and pain. She actually set up whole homes, that were, that were just places where people could go to release the anger, release the bitterness, and to be restored. And so she actually started traveling about and, and preaching a message of forgiveness and restoration. And people would come by the hundreds to hear her speak. And after one of the, the speaking engagements, she tells this story about a man who comes up to her and he puts out his hand and he says, you don't remember me but I was one of the guards in the prison that you were at. I was one of the Nazi soldiers. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I just want to ask you to forgive me. And he put out his hand. And Corrie ten Boom tells the story and she says, 
I recognized that guy right away. And it brought all of her memories back to when she was in that prison. And those women were made to walk with no clothes on in front of these men who ridiculed them, poked fun at them. And he was one of those guys. And it's the very same prison where her sister died. And they laughed as people died. He was one of those guys. She remembered his face. She remembered his eyes. She knew exactly who he was. And she had just preached a message on forgiveness and reconciliation through Jesus Christ. And she says that man had his hand held out. He had a smile on his face. He had just found forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And he was asking her forgiveness. And she said that she knew the right thing to do was to forgive this man. But as she went to pick up her hand and and, and reach out to his hand, she said her arm refused to move. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but where your brain tells your body to do something and it doesn't do it. I stood on the edge of a a cliff with my good friend JP one day when we were doing one of our wild man weekends. He took us out to this place where you can jump 40 feet off of a cliff and land in some water. I remember looking down and I told my body to jump and you know what it did the first time? It absolutely refused to move. Sometimes you can tell your body to do something and it doesn't agree. And Corey Tim Boom stood there and she said, I told my arm to reach out and grab his and my arm would not move. And she doesn't even know how much time went by. It seemed like an eternity and her mind was racing and she knew what the right thing to do was, but she couldn't do it. And that often happens in our life. You know what God wants you to do, but you can't bring yourself to do it. You know what a good Christian person would do, But you can't become that good Christian person. You're angry. You're bitter. You're distracted. You're selfish. Whatever the reason is, you can't get yourself there. And there's no hope unless some power comes from the outside because there's no power on the inside. And Corey Timboom had to close her eyes and she had to pray that God would give her love for this man. And eventually God gave her the strength to reach out and to, to grab his hand. And she said when their hands grasped, She felt such an infusion of power into her body that she had never felt before. And forgiveness just flowed out of her. But she says, I could have never done that. On my own strength, it's impossible. But with God, it became possible. What have you done in your life that could only be explained by the overwhelming power of God? Is there any evidence in your life You are living a life in God's power and not just simply in human power. There's a lot of fantastic people I meet that aren't Christians. They talk a good talk. They do some nice things. But only in the power of God can you truly live an extraordinary life. When I was in college, I heard a a sermon on the three D's. Dead, defeated, and dangerous. And I've never forgotten it. And this preacher told the audience, he said, there's three types of people in this world. There's dead people, there's defeated people, and there's dangerous people. Dead people are people who don't have Jesus Christ in their life. They're cut off from the source of life, which is God. They're cut off from the source of life, which is God, because they don't have faith in Jesus Christ. They're dead in their sins. And dead people can't do anything extraordinary. Dead people just do what human beings can do. They hate people when they're mean. They're petty. They're materialistic. It's all they got. 
Then he talked about dangerous people. He said, but there's some people who are dangerous. And those are people who have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and they allow God's power to flow through them. So like Blackaby said, the extent that you can do things is only limited by what God himself can do. When God flows his power through you and you have the power of the creator of the universe at your, at your disposal moving through, you can do anything. Anything. Nothing is impossible with God flowing through you. And he said there are some who are dangerous. And what he meant by dangerous is they're dangerous to the devil. They're dangerous to those who don't believe because they are such a powerful force for good and for righteousness and for God's truth in this world. Some are dead. Some are dangerous. He said most of you, most of you who are listening are just flat out defeated. You have the power accessible. It's right there. You're not picking it up. You're not using it. You're living in your own strength as if you're dead. You act like you're dead when you're really alive. And you never experience the power of God moving through you. And I've never forgotten that. What a shame it is that you and I have all the power of God behind us. And we live like we're dead. Many of us are defeated by our own beliefs. That we can't, we won't, we'll never be that man or that woman God created us to be. Our text this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, 7. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy. Son in the faith. To serve God with all of his heart, to follow in his footsteps, to be a pastor that brings truth and hope and restoration to his community. And in one seven he says this For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self discipline. Paul's reminding Timothy of something he already knows, but if Timothy forgets this for a moment, he's going to live a defeated life. In order to live a dangerous life, you have to always have this thought on your mind. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. God has already given you everything you need. Are you grabbing hold of it? Are you keeping your focus? You have power to overcome sin. You have power to transcend the things that drag you down. You have power to say no to unrighteousness. You have power to say yes to God. You grab hold of it because that's what God has given to you already. If you have a laptop, you know that there's two ways you can use it. Battery or plugged into the wall. I think oftentimes I use my laptop without it being plugged into the wall just because it's easier to move around and I don't have to be encumbered. But I get caught up in my work oftentimes. And what happens is I don't notice the little icon at the bottom. with the, It's a little yellow triangle with an exclamation point in the middle, which is telling me in a minute it's going to shut down. And I can't tell you how many times I've been right in the middle of writing something and my, and my computer just shuts down. Screen goes black. Total shutdown. And when my screen does that and I'm holding that laptop, it becomes absolutely useless. 
as a tool. Until I do what? Got to plug it in. And you know, oftentimes I think as Christians, we operate like my laptop. We get busy doing our thing, and we're so focused on what we're doing, at some point, we just shut down. We run out of power. We've got nothing left. And we become useless instead of useful. I know you can do some cool stuff on your own power, but only for about that long. God gives you some some infusion of power. You know, this morning, just hearing a sermon, being with God's people, you'll come out of here and you'll have something to give to somebody. But if you don't stay plugged into God day in and day out this week, you're going to run out. You're going to be useless. You won't be able to last very long. And what God wants you and I to do is He wants us to stay plugged into Him constantly that we can always access that power and we can keep giving and giving and giving and giving and doing what God created us to do. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it reminds us that God gave us a spirit of power. This idea of being a powerful person, being a powerful Christian, is the idea of boldness, faith, confidence, clarity. I'm reminded in 2 Corinthians 10.4 and 5, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God has given us power. And if you look up the word power in the Bible, you'll find it over and over and over. From Old Testament to New, this idea of power. God is a God of infinite power. Unlimited power. Power over all things. He makes that accessible to you. And he says, because of this power, you can demolish strongholds. Not just for the little things. It's for the strongholds. Those those fortresses that are built that you can't destroy in your spiritual life. Those, Those vices, those habits that you can't seem to break through. God promises His power is bigger than that. He doesn't even say you can attack. He says you can demolish the strongholds in His power. You know, when we were starting this church rest life, my wife and I had to come face to face with the fact that this was a this was a, a risky venture that we were setting out on. A few people meeting in the living room doesn't make a church. And we didn't have any assurance of what was going to come. But by faith, we said God wants us to start a church, so we will. And we launched out on this venture. And I think along the way, there were many opportunities to say, we can't do this, it's too much, we have to stop. But by faith, in the power of God, we were able to continue on. And I think about in your life, what are those things that you say, I can't, it's too much. Does that line up with the Word of God? Because God's Word tells us you can demolish strongholds. There is nothing that is too big for God. God has blessed us, Nicole and I, with this venture of starting Restoration Life. But it was by faith in God and His power that we were able to press on. It's the only way that you can sustain in this life. What is God calling you to do right now? What is God asking you to do with your life? Have you asked Him? And is it a God-sized assignment? Because God didn't create you to do some little thing that brings no glory to Him. You were created to bring glory to God. 
He's going to ask you to do something that's bigger than what you could do on your own. What is that thing that God asks you to do that scares you? That you know will push you beyond your own resources and make you rely on His? Secondly, it tells us in this passage that God gave us a spirit of love. Unending supply of love for others. The ability to love the unlovely. Because God is love. In John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are able to give out love for others because God loved you. Luke 6, 32 and 36 says, If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those to whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Who do you struggle to love? What does it cost you to love others? Is it more than you could do on your own power? Or are you loving only out of what you have to give in and of yourself? When you're living a God-sized assignment, you have to rely on God to love others. It requires more than what you have inside. It requires God pouring His love through you and into others. What is love costing you? Are you doing God-sized work? And then thirdly, it says that we will have a spirit which gives us self-discipline. The power to do what we should, not what we could. The power to say no to temptation, yes to humility. Isaiah 40, 28 and 31 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk not be faint. God can give you the power to overcome in your life. Self-discipline. Doing the right thing, even when it's not the easy thing. God can give you power to overcome. It's the consistent, true teaching of God's Word. You are not to be defeated. You are to be an overcomer. You are to be victorious through the power of Jesus Christ. If that's not a description of your life, then you're not living in the power of God. You're living in your own strength. God can get you through. He doesn't promise it's going to be easy. It's not free, coasting, happy-go-lucky necessarily. But God promises His power will be sufficient to get you through. He can energize you. He can give you love. He can give you discipline. He can give you the strength to do the right thing. God's promise. 2 Corinthians 12.9, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You may sit here this morning and say, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through. I've tried. I can't do it. This thing's just too big. And I'm here to tell you, God's word is always right and always true. And here in this passage, he reminds us that in your weakness, he is strong. When you yield and you say, I can't do it, that is the moment that you actually have a prayer of doing it. And if you sit here this morning and you say, I think I've got life figured out. I think I've got it under control. I know what I'm doing. That's not humility. You're living in your strength. Paul discovered that the true secret of being strong is being weak. You have to come to the end of yourself before you can recognize the power of God in your life. When God gives us trials, He's often helping us to understand that truth. He brings us to the end of ourselves so that we can recognize our need for His power. God's power only turns on when your power is turned off. You've got to be humble because in weakness you find your strength. What struggles are you trying to overcome? What temptations? What bad habits? Whose power are you using? I want to close with John 15, 4 and 5. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now each one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got a little bit of God in you. And that'll do a little bit. But God says you've got to abide in me day in and day out. You've got to stay connected. It's like that computer. You can operate on battery and do a little bit. I know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. But if you want to live a God-sized life, if you want to do what God has created you to do, you've got to stay plugged in. Or you'll run out. You won't have power. And So as you continue on this journey, I remind you, if you feel weak, if you feel defeated, if you feel like you can't go on, the next hill is too big, you're not living in God's power. You're living in your own power. And praise God, if you can see that much, at least you know you can't do it on your own. But the secret to success in the Christian life is living in God's power, not in your power. You won't like it. You won't want to do this. It's not fun to be humble. It's much more fun to be arrogant and take all the glory for yourself. But the Bible says, only in the power of God can you be the man or woman that He created you to be. As soon as you figure that out, You'll be freed up to become that man, to become that woman, and to live that life. I'm going to ask Gino and the worship team if they could come up and close with one last song. I'm going to close with a prayer from Ephesians 3.20 today. I'm just going to read it out loud. And as I do, I want to challenge you. 
This is an opportunity. This last song that we're singing is an opportunity for you to respond to what God is speaking to you today. I come to you and I kind of unload some truth from God's word. But God's Holy Spirit has a specific truth that he wants to plant in your heart today. And he wants you to respond. You're not just here to fill a seat. You're here to respond to the God of the universe. What is God asking you to do to respond to this word today? And as you think that through and as we sing this last song, I'd like the prayer team to come up and I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to what God's asking you to do by praying with somebody else. So the prayer team will be up here in the front. You can come up and just pray with them. Have somebody stand with you to help you to become the man or the woman He wants you to be. Let us pray. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom this whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen.